Welcome to this week's post-NFL draft edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacking here, my good friend and co-host of this podcast. Travis Krins is with me as well. Travis, how are we doing? Better than the Buffalo Bills, I would think. <laughs> Jeez, throwing that shade already. Let me tell you this. I got a co-worker, and um, I enjoy talking sports with him. He, he knows a fair amount. He... he, he I can have conversations with him. I always, I always deem that to be the first, you know, thing when you when you talk to someone about sports. It's, you can tell. Yeah, if you can have a conversation, a legitimate conversation, and they can make valid points, it's like okay, you know what? Then that's fine, and it's okay to have differing opinions. You and I have differing opinions here on uh, several oh, topics. You know, Northern Iowa, and okay, let's. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I always, I always mention Northern Iowa. I damn it, I'm South Dakota State here. We're not talking about Mr. Fountain who got drafted by whoever the whoever the hell drafted him, the wide receiver from Northern Iowa. But uh, yourself, myself, we uh, we dis we differ on several things here. But I got someone I I work with, and he says that. He hopes Baker Mayfield is a bust now, because in part because of his attitude. He hopes that you know if he could change his attitude, that's fine. But he's also a Texas Longhorn fan, so there there is some there is some perhaps a little bias here towards this. But he believes that the Bills got the best quarterback in the draft in Josh Allen, just like Mel Kiper. Just I, like, I, bet I, know, I, bet, I bet I know. I bet I know his political affiliation as well. God damn. <laughs> well, God damn. Well, I mean, we can't say not every Josh Allen fan. You don't think Did all you the? Know? No, Did I, I, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't go quite that far. But you know, you he says. Yes, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know uh, what what oh. side of the uh, of the of the fence he spectrum. is. Uh, yes, on the spectrum. But, um, I mean, he uh, said he agrees with Mel Kuyper Jr. That, uh, that... Has he seen this guy play before? I believe he has. I don't... I would assume so. Um, Bring up some YouTube highlights and watch this stupid bastard <laughs> miss screen passes and then passes in the flats to the running backs. Uh, it's, it's disgusting. Obviously, we are talking about Josh Allen who was drafted number 7 overall by the Buffalo Bills. The Bills traded up from 12 to 7 in order to draft him. Now, I will say this. Baker Mayfield was the number 1 overall pick. It stunned many. When we did our mock draft, there was no real chatter that this was even remotely a possibility. I think we everyone kind of thought, okay, Sam Darnold to the Browns. It's pretty much a... You know, kind of a done deal. There's this talk about Josh Allen, but the Baker Mayfield talk was laying low in the weeds. And as the week progressed leading up to the draft, you heard more and more chatter. I heard it really Wednesday night and then into Thursday morning. It was pretty much all the talk. Like, oh, will the Browns actually go for Baker Mayfield? And and John Dorsey, the Browns general manager, ended up doing so. Uh, you like Baker Mayfield a lot. I think he's very good as well. Um, number one worthy... I don't know, but I feel like the degree of separation between the four quarterbacks, between Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, and Josh Allen, was as slim as any four. Now, obviously, you disagree on, a little bit on Allen, but I'll just I'll include him in within this discussion uh, that 
you know the the margin between one to four was probably about as small yeah. as we've seen in recent drafts. Would you agree with that? Fair enough. There was nobody that really jumped off the page. Um, you know, I figured it'd be Sam Darnold for months now, or then you know the day of the draft it changed. And I was happy that it changed because obviously I like Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Sam Darnold with the turnover. Like all the quarter, I think I mentioned this last week. All the quarterbacks here had worse years this year than last year, so that's a little bit concerning. Mm-hmm. I think Josh Rosen ended up in the best spot. I mean, you look at Arizona with, with David Johnson coming back and Fitzgerald, and um, defense is okay. You know, I mean, you've got something there. I think he's on on the best team with Arizona. Yep. Um, the Jets. I mean. Jets are bad. What can you say? They are Darnold, bad. I could see him. I mean, we do know the uh, last we, quarterback from USC that the Jets drafted in the first round. I, I'm, I don't think USC has ever had a good quarterback. Carson Palmer. I mean, is he the best? I don't know, that might be the best. I mean, well, okay, he, like, he, si- like since the Pete Carroll era. I mean, if we look well, back ever, here, ever, uh, ever. it's it's you know uh, ever ever what. I had, I'll I, effort that. In, I'll, I'll effort that here, but uh, you know, not that, that that doesn't mean anything for for Darnold. But USC just their quarterbacks usually are not not good. Um, like you look at the Browns roster, it's not a bad group of players. No, no, a lot of young talents, and you know they they've they really I think they were aggressive in free agency because I. I think I told you this before. I think the Browns can be a playoff team within three years, and you might laugh at that, like, "Oh, the Browns oh, a fine. playoff team." But I, you look at that division. Ben Roethlisberger is old. You got Cincinnati. Who who knows what the hell's going on there? You know, can Andy Dalton, AJ Green actually take that next step? Who knows? I think Balt. You know, and I was looking at Baltimore like, "Oh, Joe Flacco." Ha ha ha. But then the you know, and then you know the stupid yeah you know, the the stupid Ravens. Ozzie Newsome his last draft, and it's like you know we don't want to we don't want to crap on Ozzie here because he's been uh, outstanding in the draft. He's one of the best you know, front office guys in the NFL, but it's his last draft, and he, st- he takes Hayden Hurst at 16 instead of, uh, you know, Dallas Goddard. It's like, okay, what the hell's going on here? You know what? Poo-poo on you, Ravens. And then they take Lamar Jackson last overall. It's like, oh, dang nabbit. Like, here now I kind of have to cheer for him because we both like Lamar Jackson. We don't agree with the with the crap, with the shit that's been going on, you know, the, getting tossed around with him about, you know, he's, he should be thrown to wide receiver and stuff. I So I'm now I'm kind of in, implored to cheer for the Ravens because of Lamar Jackson. But having said all that, you look at the Browns and their roster, you got Tyrod Taylor, and if Baker Mayfield can take this next step, there's no reason to think that the Browns can't compete for a, a playoff spot in the AFC within the next few years, especially if Tom Brady, you know, once Tom Brady retires from the Patriots, all hell breaks loose in the AFC. It's it's completely wide open. Yeah, Browns, yeah, I mean, they, they, they should have won at least, you know, three or four games last year. Um, yep. They lost all the close games. They lost all the close games. Yep. So, I hope Baker Mayfield does well. Uh, I think he's got a chance to start week one. He's or not Tyrod going to. He is not going to start. You don't have. You don't get Tyrod no, Taylor. We'll I mean, we'll see. we we talked about you know Tyrod Taylor and what he did for the Bills and how it seemed like a slap in the face that the Bills just never really wanted him or so it seemed under this new regime. Uh, 
uh, Tyrod Taylor's infinitely better right now than Baker Mayfield is with the Browns. I don't see any reason why you just don't let Baker sit. It, you know what? It's probably just I think for, you play fairly early on. You do okay. I I don't. I think if you're looking at any quarterback here, it's probably Josh Allen that has the best chance to start early on because the only quarterback he has to jump over is AJ McCarron, and AJ McCarron's fine. But I think Josh Allen has the best chance to jump. I, I do think Josh Rosen also has a, a good chance to play, but that's only because uh, Glass Knees, uh, Fragili, Sam Bradford is probably, you know, could go down with an injury uh, if the wind blows too awkwardly there in the desert. And Sam Darnold got a good chance to start early. Uh, Rosen, as you mentioned, because of injuries to the other guy. Um, like they all got, I think they're all going to play except probably Lamar Jackson, depending on injury. So I think we're going to see these guys, and you know, I think Baker Mayfield's going to play fairly early on. Uh, I mean, Buffalo was very quick with the hook for no reason whatsoever last year. Very poor on them. So uh, nearly cost them Pittsburgh. a playoff spot. It did, and uh, they got Browns start with Pittsburgh and New Orleans. So that's not uh, not an ideal start to the year. Uh, week three, the Jets game on Thursday night, that'd be great if both those guys would be playing. But um, yeah, I think Baker Mayfield, you know, when you look at some of the throws, he didn't play, he didn't play in the Big 12. Um, so, you know, defense is not uh, not uh, or, or optional in that conference. Yep. So you look at some of the throws he made, uh, very impressive throws, very tight in coverage. But he's so, like so short, Prince. He's so short. He's oh, six feet. He can't. Oh, you know, it only. I mean, we can't even. We can't lump him in with the Drew Breeses and Russell Wilsons of the world yet. Well, it's really that's really hindered, folks. Uh, he's only what six feet, five eleven, whatever he is. He's so short that he shredded the shit out of Georgia in the Rose Bowl, at least in the first half. Yep. So glad to see him go number one. He has his attitude. I. I mean, that's. Yeah, a little uh, the arrest was the last summer wasn't uh, wasn't great and was the the worst thing. But planting a flag, fine. Grabbing the crotch, fine. I have no problem with any of that stuff besides the arrest. Uh, I think uh, the Wyoming guy. I mean, as as bad as I've ever seen. But it, Jake Locker. <laughs> would you say Jake Locker is the worst of all the guys that we've hated? And I think he's got a chance to knock him off the pedestal. Boy. Because, how the hell is he? I, I mean, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz did very well. Yeah. Uh, but Josh Allen. I mean, how do you how do you get better? Like he has to get significantly better. Like he wasn't even a good quarterback last year. Chris, look at his I, look. Look at his throws. Look at his highlights slash highlights. And I gave you the stats uh, the other day. He never threw for three hundred yards. And stats aren't everything. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> you got to complete some passes. Uh, what, 1,800 yards stacking. He threw for 18. Has there ever been a quarterback? Has there ever been a quarterback? Throw under for 2,000 yards and be a top 10 pick? I doubt it. I th- probably not, sen- at least not World since, like, the two. 60s, right? Right. Jeez. How embarrassing is that? I, think, I, I tell you, Krenz, the, the highlight was the 134-yard first-half effort against Central Michigan in the famous oh. Idaho Potato Bowl there in Boise. Three touchdowns, 134 yards in that first half. Done deal, signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, I'm not quite as harsh on Josh Allen as, as you are. I, I, 
I do think that the lack of weapons that he had last year certainly played a role in that. The tools, I think you can you can work with those. And I will say this, for given the, the weather situations in Buffalo, it gets windy, it gets snowy and stuff, is he not the most equipped with the big hands, with the strong arm? Is he not the best equipped quarterback of the four to that that were drafted to be able to play in those conditions. That's all. I'm, I'm not saying he he he's going to be. No, because uh, he's not any good. Well, I mean, but he's got the big hands. That's fine. He's got big hands. Do I don't you, trust you to throw the goddamn ball. <laughs> I was gonna say. Fuck. Do you think it could? Do you think it could palm a wall clock in, in uh, the basement of the student union there in uh, at SDSU? I hope so. I know Culpepper couldn't. But, but Dak, he's not good. He's not good. He played Iowa. He was bad. He played Nebraska. He was terrible. Yep. He played so many. I mean, there was one game I watched. It was like CBS Sports Network late in the year. I think it was on the road against some terrible team, like Nevada or some garbage. I think it went in overtime. This was such a goddamn struggle. This was like Bortles, watching Bortles try to, try to do something. This was, I think, Wyoming finally won the game in overtime. This was such a goddamn struggle to do anything offensively. This, I mean, I'm watching this guy, I'm like, this, this is the guy well, that's supposed to be the best quarterback? Do you know he that, uh, do you know that Wyoming lost to San Jose State this year when Josh Allen wasn't playing? Good. Well, I'm just saying, like that's a, that shows you the kind of caliber of Ross. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you all that much. I, I like I say I probably like him a little bit more than certainly a little bit more than you do. But just well, to, I don't I, I, obviously though, I think you know Josh Rosen, the best, the quarterback that landed in the best spot was Josh Rosen going to Arizona. And the chip on the shoulder that this guy had, he was legitimately upset. He was pissed off. He said as much in the post in the you know, after he got drafted in the press conference there. And, you know, he said, Oh, there was nine mistakes and he eventually backtracked that a little bit and said, Oh, there there are only three quarter or three mistakes. He was talking about the three quarterbacks. But I like the the moxie that this guy has and it actually it's something that I was a little skeptical or worried about leading up to the draft because, you know, of all the quarterbacks, he seems to be like that true millennial type person. Um, Good or bad, but I guess that, I mean, that's just kind of what you kind of associate with him. But the way he kind of handled himself through that, I don't have any problem with it. If he, he, you know what, you have a right to be upset if you think you're the best player. Aaron Rodgers obviously has a chip on his shoulder from being the 24th overall pick, you know, instead of being number one with Alex Smith back in that draft. So by all means, you, you carry that chip, you take it all the way. And you know what, as you said, He's got Larry Fitzgerald with him, David Johnson. He, they drafted Christian Kirk. If you look at the Cardinals draft, they clearly had uh, a game plan going in. We draft the young quarterback, and then we surround him with talent. They got him a wide receiver. They got him a center. They, I think, was it a center? They, they got him a running back. I mean, they, they are surrounding Josh Rosen with tools that I think are in weapons that are really good. And they didn't have to give up that much. If you look at both Buffalo and Arizona, they each had to trade up five spots to get their quarterbacks. Buffalo 12 to seven, Arizona 15 to 10. A three spot difference in between. The Cardinals gave up a third round pick and a fifth round pick. The Bills had to give up two second round picks. Clearly the Bills gave up more 
than what they want. So if you're going to look at the Bills, I think that's where we could criticize them is that they had all this draft capital and it doesn't seem like they did nearly as much with it. And I do like the the Tremaine Edmonds pick, the linebacker from Virginia Tech. He's going to be outstanding. Um, but it, it just seemed to me like the Bills, it, they threw a little bit more than what they needed to to land Josh Allen. And that, to me, signals that maybe this team is not... Uh, not ready for, not destined for great things. Like when when they come to Minnesota in week three, the Vikings are going to beat the oh, hell out of them. Why beat the hell out of them. Vikings play Buffalo week three at home? Yep. Praise Zach and pray that he plays. We got to see Mitch's or not Mitch. We got to see Bobby's first start. What was it, a Monday night? That was a terrible yep. game. It was. And we got see Bobby again at the end of the season, and Bobby uh, got worse. Yep. His first start was, wasn't terrible. Uh, his last start was bad. Wasn't was great. Terrible. I mean, the punter had a touchdown in that first game, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Bobby. Bobby sucks. <laughs> I, oh, God. The salvation to, to have the best defense in the league play the worst quarterback. Oh, it, it's, it's tantalizing, too tantalizing to think about it. The, Very exciting. The first round provided a lot of trades, a lot of intrigue. I'm all, I'm a fan of the draft, and this draft delivered, at least for me, in the first round, first couple of rounds. Obviously, we'll get to Dallas Goddard here in a, in a little bit. But um, in the first round, specifically Thursday night, I thought the Ryan Shazier moment was incredibly powerful and impactful. Him walking out there is just a it was a it was a feel good moment. I think for every. You know, kind of NFL fan, given what happened with that Monday night game and the hit against Cincinnati back in December. He's not going to play this year, might not ever play football again, but just great to see him walking there. So that was great. And then in terms of the picks, there were only two that, there were three things Thursday night that that stuck out to me. One, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafting defensive tackle Vitavia from Washington when Derwin James is on there and you need secondary help. That's that's not a, a I would say a, a smart move on their part. I get what they're trying to do, but I mean Derwin James is a is a tremendous talent. I don't know how you pass him up there. And then the Saints gifting the Packers a first round draft pick to move up 13 spots to take Marcus Davenport, the defensive end from uh, University of Texas San Antonio, who has the potential to be really good, but. I mean, he's kind of a project. I don't think you can expect a huge impact from him uh, this year. And I think, I don't know about you, but when the Saints made that trade up, I immediately thought Lamar Jackson. D- is that what you thought? Yeah. I don't know why you jump. I don't know why you give up a first-round pick for a defensive end. No idea. It, it just it doesn't make any sense. Or Derwin James was up there. Would you would you have even given up a first round pick possibly for Derwin James? No, I mean, but if no, you if, but like that would have been more of an understandable pick sure, to me than, sure. than 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 Davenport. Yeah, I mean that doesn't make any sense. Chargers got him at seventeen. A lot of people had him in the top ten. Most people had him in the top ten. Saints maybe it'll work out. They've got a pretty good defense now. But I thought that was way too much to uh, to give up your first pick uh, next year. Or defensive end from San Antonio, that looks uh, very wrong. And there's a chance, you know, Drew Brees is probably going to play one year, maybe two more years. Maybe three? I, I can't see that. But it seems like the Saints are going all for broke right now. And they are going to be terrible once Drew Brees retires. And the fact that you don't... Well, 
That, or the they're one, kind of transitioning into, uh, you know, Kamara and Ingram. They're transitioning more into a defensive and running team. So that's a, that's a, that's a better idea. It is. So it's kind of prepared, but to not have any kind of backup plan necessarily, and I don't expect Kamara and Ingram to have nearly as good a years as they did last year, um, this year, but I've been proven wrong time and time again. Uh, but that was, it. And then the, the, the Seahawks are the losers of the draft. They had the best moment, or the second best moment outside of Ryan Shazier, but the second best moment when they drafted Shaquille Griffin, uh, what, in the fifth round, the brother to uh, twin brother to Shaquem, but he's the guy with the one arm played outstanding at Central Florida. Absolutely oh, he's great. Just missing his hand. Well, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. The, the, the stub of a, the stub of an arm and the hand. I, I, he has no. The, he has no hand. The, the, the I'm sorry. Yes, I, I I apologize for the for the mis uh, misinterpretation or I misspoke. I misremembered what uh, what was said That's to pull Roger right. Clemens there. Uh, but he's phenomenal. It's a great story. Um, and I, I hope that Shaquille Griffin does absolutely phenomenal work. But I have to deem the Seahawks as one of the, the big losers in this draft because they draft Rashad Penny in the first round. And Rashad Penny, great, great career at San Diego State. He was great for the Jackrabbits. I mean, the, I mean the Aztecs. He was great. Uh you know, the, there's no questioning the work production that he had. There's no questioning that the, the talent that this guy possesses. But if you, that's fine if you take him in the second round. You don't take him 27 overall. Not when you have the likes of Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Darius Geis available, and you have no offensive line whatsoever. The Seahawks apparently want to go ground and pound. Who the hell are you going to run behind with that? I mean. There, who is? How is Rashad Penny going to have any sort of success if there's no offensive line? They took one offensive lineman in the draft. Uh, the Seahawks, what the hell? That was bad. The, off, the, the lack of offensive linemen that they took was very poor. You had Will Hernandez there. Uh, as far as the Vikings, I mean, there weren't really any offensive linemen there except maybe a Will Hernandez that you thought were, was going to go in the first round. Yep. But with Seattle, Seattle did not address their biggest weakness, so that uh, bad, very bad, very poor, didn't make a lot of sense. I, I could think of five different positions that you could probably go after. You know, wide receiver, secondary help. You know, a safety, a cornerback. Uh, you know, a defensive I lineman. I mean, you you got rid of Michael Bennett. I mean, you need some help. And other places here, I could think of so much more other positions that they need help with rather than running back. And yes, obviously, since Marshawn Lynch has left, there has not been a lot of success rushing the football for the Seahawks. Their offense is basically snap the ball to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, please run for your life and make a play. But, I mean, in order to have, in order to run, you have to have a, an offensive line. And they don't have that in Seattle. And that is why I feel like Seattle is going to be no no better than third in the division this year. And I can even see Arizona maybe taking them down or you know jumping over them. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, San Francisco a lot. Yep, as do and, I. Uh, if the Rams can uh, do what they did last year, yeah, there's a possibility that they finish last because uh, defense greatly diminished. Uh, well, I think they had, well, maybe they had a guy run for Russell Wilson I assume let him in rushing yards. I can't imagine yep. anybody had three three hundred yards rushing. Yeah, I don't think yards. I don't think so. 
like an obscenely bad total. I mean, Delvin Cook had more than that in the what, four games he played. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it, I mean, they had a little window there of four or five years. They were very good, and they got the two Super Bowls and probably should have won both of them. Yep. Uh, they got their one, and now it looks like uh, they're done. They're done as far as being a, being a factor. They, they still have a chance because of Russell Wilson, but it's, I mean, that's like saying, oh, the, when, when the Saints were bad because they had no defense, oh, oh, they always have a chance because you got Drew Brees. But, I mean, for Seattle, I just I just don't see it this year. I, I really I don't. For their home field advantage, I mean, they're just not good anymore, but their home field advantage wasn't what it used to be. No. No, I mean, look at what happened. I mean, they lost, what, three games at home last year, maybe four? I mean, it was they were not good. Uh, at home last year, so the Seahawks definitely taking a dive. What were some of the other, um, before we get to Dallas Goddard, what were some of the other teams that you um, that you liked, that, or just some overall picks that you thought were good? There was a guy that I wanted. Maurice Hurst. Who? Maurice Hurst? Yeah, Maurice Hurst, they won the fifth round. I, I mean, come on, man, what are we doing? I thought with what the four, I thought when the Vikings traded the fourth round and with pick one hundred two, I thought that was when they would draft Hurst. I really did. I thought that was a perfect spot. Uh, you could take a flyer on the, with a fourth round pick. Uh, we know the defensive linemen where you know they have you know have flourished in the fourth round. What uh, Everson Griffin was a fourth round pick. Was um, uh-huh. Daniel Hunter was a third round. Was Brian Robinson a third or a fourth? Brian Robinson. Sports block contributor. I feel like he was. A, I feel like he was a fourth third, round. fourth round. The third pick of the fourth round. Okay. So, so it, this was the same, virtually the same exact spot, and I believe the Vikings did take a defensive lineman, um, but it it was not Maurice Hurst. I I would just think you could take something, take a flyer on this guy. Once you get to that fourth round, I would say that's you know you take him, and it's like you know easy money. If, if he doesn't do anything, oh well, it's a fourth-round pick. Uh, Bo Scarborough went. I wanted Vikings to pick him. He went to Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't like a guy like him. Goes in the seventh round. I mean, kind of like a Jake Winicky type thing. It's like, really, we're taking, you know, terrible quarterbacks from Nebraska and LSU, but we can't take Bo Scarborough with the yep. 240 pick. Let's take I mean, wide receivers from Penn and Middle Tennessee State, but uh, not a kid from South Dakota State. Yeah, it's not great uh, Vikings taking a kicker, and we'll see. Seems like, seems kind of like Blair Walsh got a hell of a leg, but probably not uh, the most accurate of folk. He was uh, accurate his his two two years ago, not as accurate this I year. But uh, I think I think he's got the the mental capacity, like to not necessarily get in his head as much as uh, as Blair perhaps did. Well, I, I mean, I look forward to him missing a big kick to, you know, go to the Super Bowl or whatever this guy's going to do. So it'll be fun for fun for me, that guy from Auburn. Yep. Uh, the, the running backs there, Sonny Rochelle uh, with the Patriots, that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, Nick Chubb to Cleveland, I like that. You know, a lot of people were thinking, you know, you pick Barkley one, uh, you get your quarterback, whoever that may be, at four. Uh, possible, but I, I like what they did. Baker Mayfield at one, uh, you get a defensive player at four. Uh, the running backs are going to be there uh, at the top of the second round, and they got a they got an offensive lineman. So good, good for Cleveland. Uh, I like what uh, I like what the Giants did by getting Barkley, specifically in the first two rounds, and getting Barkley and Hernandez. And I think they got uh, 
That Lorenzo Carter from Georgia, the linebacker, I I think that's an excellent pick. I thought the Giants did uh, did very well for themselves, at least early on. Mason Rudolph to Pittsburgh in the third round. I think that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, excellent. Along with his teammate James Washington in the second round, like you can't you can't plan that any better. And if, if I may, I think he's going to be the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger here. Because I don't see Josh Dobbs being that guy. I don't see Landry Jones being it. I think they're, they're going Charlie to... I think they're going to give Mason Rudolph every opportunity to take that starting job from Ben Ro- Like when Ben, ben Roethlisberger decides to call it quits, we'll hope, which hopefully will be after this year. Yeah, Luke Falk, he went to a sixth round to... Tennessee. Yep. So, I mean, Mariota, he gets banged up every once in a while, so see what he can do. By the way, the Titans uh, getting um, great picks in the linebacker with, with Sean okay. Evans and then Honor Landry, I mean Harold Landry, from uh, from yeah. Boston College. And then, it, you know what, Let, let's just give some love to Nick DeLuca. You and I both know him from the North Dakota State days, how productive of a linebacker he is. Yeah, he's injured somewhat, but I think getting him as an undrafted free agent to help that linebacking core. I think he has the potential to crack this team. I think that their linebackers now, unknown last year, they'll be known this year. Those are good picks. Good for that guy. Uh, Josh Adams, running back for Notre Dame. He went undrafted. I thought he was really good. Um, the Eagles got him. That's a very good undrafted pick for the Eagles. Uh, I, I just want to give you some stats on my quarterback here. Three times stack in this year, he did. He, three times he threw for under 100. Oregon, Hawaii in overtime. Hawaii in overtime. Ooh. He threw for 92 yards. Do you have and, the, the uh, how good Hawaii was on defense last year? Because I can't imagine they were good. They were pretty awful. Why are Rainbow Warriors? What did they do? They weren't any good. Oh, they won three games, four games? Yeah, i got to imagine they were at like 86th were, in defense at, at best. They were 3-9. and nine. I don't know. They gave up. They gave up. I don't know. They had defense. I mean, they gave up a goal. They probably gave up an average of 30-some per game. Uh, at Air Force, he was 8-11 of 11 for 70 yards. I mean, that Central Michigan Potato Bowl game. He was 11 and 19 for 154. He played that great first half. Oh, I, I, I shortchanged him. I gave him 20 fewer yards. I mean, that was his entire game. Did he, I mean, did he not play the second half? No, they pulled him in the second. They, they pulled him at the end of the first half. Oregon, he threw for 64 yards against Oregon. Three times he couldn't break 100. Three times he threw for 1,800 yards. <laughs> a truly terrible quarterback. Like, not even a, like a bad, a below-average quarterback. And uh, I think he is going to be... Absolutely terrible. I have two guys stacking. Which yep. one of these two guys would you like? Player one. He, in his career, rushed for 3,800 yards, 5.9 yards a carry. He had 43 touchdowns. An outstanding career. Mm-hmm. The other guy threw, uh, rushed for 4,100 yards. Rushed for 50 touchdowns, 6.3 a carry. So player two uh, rushed for uh, 300 more yards in his career. Ran for seven more touchdowns, uh, yards per carry, almost a half yard better. Can I ask uh, what conference each of these players are in? No. 
Okay, I'll take player two. I would hope he played against the stiffer competition. Who do you think player one is? 3,800 yards, nearly six yards of carry, 43 touchdowns. These were, these were guys that dra- were drafted this year? Yep. Player one, I will, ooh, I will say Nick Chubb. Player one is Saquon Barkley. Okay, damn it. I, was, uh, I should, should have just gone with him. Uh, is player two Nick Chubb or is he Sony Michelle? Player two is the quarterback. His name is Lamar Jackson. Holy shit. Oh, ding, 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 he ding. Did, his rushing numbers were better than his great running back, Barkley. He rushed for 300 more yards in his career. Uh, his yards per carry were almost a half yard better. He ran for seven more touchdowns. A goddamn quarterback that's, ran for 4,000 yards. That's that's awesome. Right. That's, that's tremendous. It is tremendous. Wow. And USC quarterbacks, Carson Palmer, is by far the best. Yep. I don't even know who you would say is number two. Matt Liner. Uh, he's the second best. That's bad, because he wasn't any good. I mean, I'm thinking, like, Matt Barkley, no. Matt Castle has the second most touchdowns. He didn't even USC start at USC. Yeah, 104. 104. Some guy named Bill Nelson in the 60s. Mark Sanchez, number four on the all-time USC NFL touchdown list. Rodney Pete at number five. Matt Barkley threw eight touchdowns. Huh. Uh, where the hell is he? With who? Matt Leinert. Oh. Leinert, 15 touchdowns. I mean, it's safe to say that what USC has produced one quarterback ever. Yeah. Carson Palmer. Yeah, that one. I'm sure Schottenkirk will have a would have something to say about that. I, the, I, you know, I don't know. You Sam know, Darnold probably isn't going to do very well. Well, probably not with the Jets. No, I mean the honestly, Matt Leinart's career I think can be summed up in one game, and that would be the 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 first game he played against the Bears on Monday Night Football. The, the that's why we took the damn field. If you want to crown him, the crown him ass. The, the late Denny Green. Like, that's the game that was his first game that he had ever played in. And he didn't do a whole lot in that game, but he sure as hell did. Like, the, the Cardinals did enough to win that game. The Bears didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game, and yet they still found a way to win. Um, that, that to me, that is, that's the, the game I remember most about Matt Leinart's career. I can't tell you hardly anything else about his career. I can tell you about well, that Bears game. He threw for 15 touchdowns in his career, so there's not a whole lot to... Uh remember. Yeah. I, I was bored, so I took a couple minutes here. Um, I had the trivia question yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's been 80, there's been 80 quarterbacks picked in the first round since 1984. Uh, Troy Aikman is the only Hall of Famer in that group. Rodgers is going to get there. Roethlisberger, Peyton, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, the Manning brothers. Uh, one should, one probably will. Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers as well. So I've got Aikman. And six other guys that are going to join him. So seven out of 80 quarterbacks in the first round in the last 33 years have been Hall of Famers. I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, same time, not, not, same time span. Eh, it's, you know, I don't know the the math, is. the math says that's not good. It's 10 percent, so it's not great. You know, and all the other quarterbacks picked in those rounds 
There's been 362 other quarterbacks taken. Mm -hmm. There's only one Hall of Famer right now. Hmm. Since 1983, like, 83 is a big draft with Marino and Kelly and Elway, so it's before the one after that. Brett Favre is the only guy. And he was in the second round. Yes. Breeze is going to get there. Brady is going to get there. Yep. Maybe Russell Wilson. Yeah. And those are the only three other guys that are going to get there. Like Kurt Warner, undrafted. He's a Hall of Famer. Yep. That's, that's so that remarkable. That would, teams are very bad at drafting first-round quarterbacks that are going to great things. Mm-hmm. However, the second part of this, there's been 60 quarterbacks to start the Super Bowl. 60 different quarterbacks. How many do you think were first-round picks? 60 different quarterbacks to start a Super Bowl? Um, well, Joe Namath's got to be one. I will say... I will say a quarter of them. I will say 15. Half of them, 30. Okay. So in that aspect, you kind of need a first-round quarterback if you want to make a Super Bowl. Right. There's been six second-rounders, eight third-rounders. I, mean, I mean, you can get to a Super Bowl and win. So I think that what it what it kind of says here is that you can get to a you, you need a quarterback uh, a good quarterback primarily one drafted in the first round to reach a Super Bowl but it doesn't necessarily equate to a Hall of Fame career no no so yeah need a good quarterback a lot of first round picks um, six second rounders eight third rounders no other I mean the, the sixth round had four guys and there's a couple of undrafted guys a couple of guys had a 17th rounder, 18th rounder, so a lot of quarterbacks, half of them are first rounders that went to the Super Bowl. Fascinating stuff there. Vikings draft, I was, I'm, I'm indifferent on. I really have no opinion one way or the other. It was just kind of a blah draft to me, and I guess that's okay because it, it means that the Vikings are in a spot where they don't need a lot. They don't need that one like solid, flashy pick, but uh, you know. They're going to get some good guys. So I, I couldn't tell you much about any of the guys outside of the kicker from Auburn. Uh, Mike Hughes, I had heard of him, like how good of a cornerback he was. So it's it's great value pick for the Vikings there in the first round. He'll do great. Terrence Newman is coming back to the team. So the Vikings secondary is going to be loaded. It's going to be great. Um, so overall, but, I, you know, the, the moment for me of the draft, and, if, and do we want to get into Dallas Goddard now, or did you have any other thoughts? Yeah, it's just Mike Hughes. I would have preferred most our world there at the end instead of taking some random guy that's not making the team. Sure. Like it was, you know, there's, there's not much they could have done. So. Nope. Uh, Dallas Goddard uh, doesn't go first round. I was kind of hoping he would, but it wasn't, I guess, expected. There were there was a chance there at the end. Uh, when the Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst, I'm like, okay, that, to hell with you, Baltimore. Just stop. Um... But then the news comes Friday morning that Jason Witten is retiring. Now, he hasn't officially retired yet. He's still mulling his options, apparently. But it was broke that Witten was going to retire and join the ESPN Monday Night Football booth, uh, which would be good. I think you should pair him up, though, with Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner seems like a natural fit for the uh, Monday Night Football booth. That would be great. But um, 
I, so right there, it was like, this is the absolute best scenario because what better way for Jerry Jones to make a splash than by drafting a guy by the name of Dallas with the draft in, you know, in the home of the Dallas Cowboys to join the Dallas Cowboys to replace Jason Witten. Like, it just made sense at pick 50. But I said this to multiple people on Friday. I said, they have got to move up. They're going to have to trade up for Dallas Goddard. I said, I don't know how much you're going to have to trade up. It depends on how the first few picks shape up. But when the Dolphins passed Goddard at 42 for Mike Gusecki, Mike, oh, you know what? To hell with you, Miami. Uh, I'm sorry, Charlie Hildebrand, but you know your Dolphins, enough of them. Uh, when when they got past Miami, I'm like okay, you, if I'm Dallas, I might consider trying to jump up a few spots here for the for you know to draft Goddard. And then when the Eagles traded up at 49, I knew immediately who it was. And I'm like, dang it. I'm in a huge conundrum here. Uh, David Akers gave the pick. Uh, he sounded like a drunk Southerner with a, going through puberty, a squeaky, squeaky voice, or he had just swallowed a, a mouse or something like that. I don't, I can't tell you for sure. But uh, in the midst of his trash talking, which was fine, uh, squeaky voice aside, it was got a little long, but uh, Dallas got it. Tight end, South Dakota State. At least he got it right. At least everyone else got it right. He's going to... The Eagles, it's a great landing spot. It's uh, He's comparable to Zach Ertz. It makes sense. Uh, he's going to... He's he's in a, he's with a team that won the Super Bowl last year and is poised to be a threat for many Super Bowls to come. But damn it, Crins, I don't want to associate myself with the worst fan base in football. I, 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 I just don't. I like. I don't want to cheer for this team, but I, I'm gonna. I'm not but gonna no. cheer for. The, I'm gonna cheer for the player, but it, like I want Goddard to have a successful career, and in order to do that, it would seem like his success is gonna be equivalent to like how well the Eagles do. Like I want Goddard to be outstanding, but that means that the Eagles are gonna be great, and I don't want that. Yeah, I hope it does well. I don't care. I hope the Eagles do very poorly. I hope they lose every game they play the rest of the time. I hope I hope so, too. And I hope Carson Wentz has something happen to him against the Vikings week five, if you know what I mean, uh, after Absolutely. his uh, yeah, tweet. Bar, how's, that, uh, how's that collarbone feeling there, Mr. Fargo? How's that collarbone feeling? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe a little, uh, maybe maybe Teddy Bridgewater knee explosion there. Um, you know, after his tweet about the lesser Dakotas. Like, just really... Stop it! Like he could have said, "Oh, you know, an enemy or a rival," but to go lesser Dakota, it's a G-rated trash talk by, by Eagles fan standards. But um, unbecoming of you, Mister Carson Wentz. I don't care if it's a joke or not. Uh, no, no. You know what, Carson? I was like, "Oh, you're fine." Uh, I always say, "Say go down." Yep. I mean, just now. At least Dallas Goddard's success is going to be directly correlated to uh, Carson Wentz, unless. Carson gets injured, and then in case Nick Foles will throw to Dallas Goddard for days, and it'll be great. I had to stop watching this draft halfway through the second round. They must have told the players to get up there, say some shit, say something about Dallas, say something to the fans. Nate, Nate Burleson's about, uh, speech was not great. That was, a, that was about it. That about a half hour of this shit, and like, I'm good for the day. I've seen enough of the draft. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be watching, watching this crap. So that was terrible. 
that was bad. So didn't didn't need to watch that. Um, I got I was so mad though when Dallas Goddard got picked <laughs> by the Eagles. Uh, Brophy's got my, Brophy, my dog, has a rope, and I it was on the floor, and I kicked it. it like, you know what? I was so mad, I just kicked it, and it was perfect right down the middle. And you know, have you ever have you ever seen those pu- those wall puzzle pieces where you could put photos in, and you could just add more and more puzzle pieces to it, and it, it makes it essentially a wall collage? Have you seen that those at all? What the hell are you talking about? Like these these, these puzzle pieces. That you could hook to the wall and then like hook off of one another, and they have picture frames. That, so like you can add pictures, and there's word fra- sayings and everything. They have them at Shields, I know. Like, it, I, yeah, I think so. I think so. Okay, Maybe. so I I kicked one, and it's it square right on the bottom. Like it was right down the middle. I could not have planned this kick to go any better right down the middle. Hit it. The the picture, you know, it hit it. You know, the one of the puzzle pieces fell. Didn't break, fortunately enough. But Kelsey threatened me to put me in timeout. Uh, she's like, that's enough. Ah! Uh, I was like, I'm so upset by this pick. And I knew, it, I knew it was going to happen. It took me a good hour. It took me a good hour to, to settle down yeah. from this pick. Just because I don't want to... Just because I don't want to be the Eagles. But now that I've thought about it, it is a, it is a great landing spot. Uh, he's with a winning team. It could be worse. He could be with a team that sucks, that does not have a quarterback like the Jets. No, I don't say that. Jeff Lloyd, I, I, I'm i sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that at all. Uh, a team like uh, the, 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 the Ravens with Joe Flacco. That's what I talk about here. Joe Flacco sucks. Anyway, um, but overall, it is a good spot. I'm going to cheer for him. But uh, I wouldn't have as big a problem with this had the Eagles not won the Super Bowl last year if their fans weren't complete assholes, uh, if – if they hadn't clobbered the Vikings in the NFC Championship game like they did, they, they're just, oh, they they just their fan base is awful. They they are the worst in sports. They make Raiders fans look like polite, you know. They're basketball teams getting their ass kicked. So. The basketball teams getting their ass kicked. So good for them. Uh, but but, but I mean, if, if you, would you? I think you would accept the tight end going to Philadelphia because the wide receiver went to the Vikings. Yes. He's got a pretty good chance to, to make the team. Yeah, I, I love that Jake Wenicke signed with them. It made it made a ton of sense. I I mean I think he's I do think he has a great chance. You look at the Vikings wide receivers, outside of Thielen and Diggs, I I mean I don't think Kendall Wright is a is a lock to make the team. Um I, I think Jake Wenicke's got a chance and I think he can develop. He's gotta of course get a little bigger, gotta put some more muscle on. Get, you know, his frame's got to be a little bigger. He's got to increase that speed a little bit. But there's no reason in my mind to think that he can't make the team and be a contributor and be Adam Thielen-esque or Adam Thielen-like. No. I don't think he's – no, I'm not saying he's not He's not going to be as good as Adam Thielen, but I think you could oh. see that progression in a, in a few years that Jake Wenicke could be a valuable contributor to this team down the line uh, – if he makes the team, I think it, bare minimum he makes their practice squad or makes some other team's practice squad. He's he's good enough to be in this league. You got Diggs and Thielen on the outside. They're very fast. Uh, Diggs isn't very tall. I guess Thielen's like six two, six three, so that's pretty good size. I think Winnicky's going to be a slot guy, despite being six three, six four, because I don't think he's fast enough. So mm-hmm. six four on the inside. You almost feel like a tight end. 
Um, and I think he had a pretty good chance to to make the team because there's that fourth. They don't have a, a fifth receiver. You don't need a fifth receiver, though. I mean, the fifth receiver never plays. So hopefully, you know, if he can get that spot, that'd be a good spot for him. Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to Dallas Goddard and Jake Wenicke for making uh, you know, a couple other guys went. Like one guy went to the uh, Colts. Another guy went somewhere else. SDSU guys. Oh, uh, let's see here. The center with the name. Honest, Honestorgi or Jacob Honestorgi. Yes. Good. Uh, Chris Trevler. Chris Trevler didn't go anywhere. Um. Is it, you got that, a thing in Canada? That's surprising, so, isn't it? Like I, I, I think people. I think you can uh, Dom and Strebler and Winicky and whoever else you want to put in there. I don't know if people think like they're better than, and they might be better than the outsiders think. But like, you know, there's sort of South Dakota people saying, "Oh, Strebler, how can you not go to any team?" Well, I mean, come on. I mean, he he's very impressive. Very impressive what he did. Um, but but he didn't do anything with the uh, with the Gophers, and uh, he did very well with USD. But I, mean, I don't think people are looking at a quarterback on the fourth best team in the Mo Valley as a guy to bring in. Sadly, but true. I'd rather have him than a Tanner Lee or uh, Danny Eppling for LSU. But people, I mean, I, I mean, he's just so far on the totem pole. The center. Went to the Seahawks, but Kellen Solik, he went to, uh, I guess he's got invitations from the Colts and the Vikings. So four four guys, four guys will be in the mix. Well, don't you think Jacob has a good chance to be, to make it on the Seahawks given their offensive line? Yes. I, yep. I, I agree. I mean, there's a uh, there's an offensive lineman for the Chiefs from SDSU that I didn't even know until last year. Uh, uh, Brian Woodsby? Yeah. I mean, that's all. There's a, there's a, I mean, where's Ryan McKnight? Is it Ryan McKnight? Can he still play? I doubt I doubt it. It's probably a little past time. Well, did, uh, Ryan McKnight, I believe, did get a tryout from the Bengals, if I'm not mistaken. Saw so your guy, J.T. Barrett, went to the Colts. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, you know, he's... He's old enough uh, to be in Corporal or Captain Andrew Luck's army, so that that makes sense. Kyle Allen went to the Panthers, a uh, big time guy. Was with uh, what A and M, and then he transferred to Houston, and he never he never lived up to his. Like, he was supposed to be this great quarterback, and that did not happen. So uh, some some notables that uh, that are. On some teams, we'll see if they make it. Hopefully, they hopefully do they do at least the Jackrabbits, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So the NFL draft in the books here. Uh, NBA playoffs. We'll get we'll do the so for, for next. I mean, next year looks like a terrible quarterback draft. Um, the Northwestern guy, he is the next terrible guy. Is this the the next uh, Mitch Leidner? Yes, I mean, I think you saw that as well. People comparing him to Mitch Leitner, their stats are almost identical. That, that That's um, not a good comparison. No, I mean, I haven't seen any tape on Mitch Leitner, but I think he's a first-round pick. Thanks for the insight, Todd. Very insightful. Todd, 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 Todd. 
I mean, how bad is that? That's, yeah. that's as bad as anything we've ever heard. Yep. Mitch, well, I could tell you. No, Mitch Leidner, bad. It, Very I, bad. I'm going to ask a slightly serious question here because, I, like I say, I, I'm biased to to a fault. I am a fan, but I no, also... I don't think... I also, the answer is no. I, do you think... I see. I think I think Taron Christian has the chance to at least to at least be invited to a camp. Well, so, I mean, if SCSU has another, I mean, this year's going to be on him. What they got the receiver that made the catch uh, in the uh, spring game that's got supposed to be the real deal. So Jacob Brown. I yep. Think, I think he's going to be. I think Jacob Brown's probably going to be the next, you know, All American receiver. Okay. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be. You know that that good. Mm-hmm. So you go know, from Dale Moss to Winicky to to this guy. So good things for them. But I don't know. You know. I mean, he's, he's gonna be a guy that they're gonna want to play running back or something if they give him a chance at all. Okay. I mean, it, like I say, it, I'm not saying like first round or second round. But then again, no one had well, Carson Wentz. No one had Carson Wentz getting drafted the year before and so you never know but I mean this is a big year for Taron Christian he's got to put that what that awful nine turnover seven turnover game uh, against James Madison behind him he's without his top two weapons but uh, can't force it but this is the year I think that where we get to really see how good Taron Christian really is like the only reason why Todd McShay liked Leitner because he was like 6'5 that's what we're doing here do they look at the size first is that what they look at and say, oh, this guy's big. Let's see if he's good. How about this? You look at if, if he's good first, and then you see everything else. I think that's what we're looking at here. Yeah, that's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in my life. The, the intelligence. In my life. <laughs> in your life. I wouldn't end up taking him for SDSU. No way in hell. No. No way in no. hell. No. I, yeah. I mean, come <laughs> It is not good. Uh, let, let's get to the NBA playoffs here. Let, let, talk a little NBA and maybe some NHL. Um, here, I don't know if we'll get... We'll try and get Marcus Traxler on for this week. Uh, maybe. Uh, otherwise, if, if not, we'll get him next week for sure. But uh, the NBA playoffs, second round's finally here. Yay. It should be pretty boring because the, the Warriors should whoop up on the Pelicans. Steph Curry's gonna didn't play game one. He sounds like he will play game two. Ricky Rubio didn't play for the Jazz in, in uh, game one against Houston. I think Houston's going to roll through them in five games. I think both of those series are five games. So it just it pits the, the Titans against one another, the Warriors against the Rockets in the West. In the East, I mean, you, you are not a fan of the Toronto Raptors, uh, and obviously so. They are the Washington Capitals of the playoffs in the NBA. The Virginia Cavaliers, I think you, yeah, Virginia Cavaliers, I think that's totally fine. Um, I do think that given how bad the Cavs have been, you know, or that they played in that first round series against Indiana, maybe we overestimated the the supporting cast around LeBron James. So I think that Toronto has a pretty decent chance in this series, actually. But if they lose game one, uh, on home court, their their fragile psyche it, it's done. Uh, the Cavs win this game, so I think if the the Raptors want any chance of winning, they of course have to win at home. Uh, but if they lose game one, I'm sorry, but that series is done right there. Uh, put a fork in them and Cavs, uh, 76ers Celtics to me. 
it's going to be a toss-up. The Celtics beat the Bucks in seven games. Uh, they beat the uh, the 76ers game one here Monday night. Uh, I, I see this series going the distance as well. I would favor the 76ers, but um, certainly the Celtics have what it takes to pull it off. Cleveland played Toronto uh, four weeks ago. They beat them 112-106. They played them uh, March 21st. They beat them 132-129. Kevin Love has got to be hurt or something. His thumb, his shoulder, something's got to be wrong with him. He had some big threes in the fourth quarter that helped. But he's not been productive. Um... They need somebody. Tristan Thompson showed up in Game 7. They're paying him a max contract. That'd be nice if he could show up, be healthy. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got guys, but they're not, they're not playing well. It's all about LeBron. He's got to, I mean, he's literally got to, like, he's got to put up 40 points every game for them just to be competitive. That's probably what he's going to have to do. Um, Toronto, show me something. Knock off, knock off LeBron James. Do something that nobody's done in seven or eight years. If they do that, I'd be awfully goddamn impressed. And, um, I mean, the rest of Cleveland is very trash. Yeah. It's not good enough. They, they, they should play better. I mean, they've been pretty bad all year long. They're a 50-win team. But uh, this has been a struggle for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and LeBron should probably not stay. Boston winning game one, that was a pleasant surprise. Uh, with, with the injuries they have, they might, uh, you know, they might get it done. So Marcus we'll, Smart's fingers, I think, gonna, or his hand is going to be a, a definite factor in this series. He's back. Uh, Jalen Brown missed because of the hamstring. Um, Tatum, Tatum, he's uh, an awfully impressive rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like um, Embiid. He had thirty-one and thirteen. That was amazing. Uh, Simmons had his usual eighteen and seven and six type of deal. Um, I mean, Horford had twenty-six. Tatum had twenty-eight, and uh, Terry Rozier was he had twenty-nine points. I mean. I mean, if you're getting, you know, 80 points from those three, you're, you're probably winning that series. Well, I'm sure we'll talk NBA free agency here as it, as we approach closer to that time in the summer. But uh, initial thought, does Paul George and Carmelo Anthony stay with the Thunder? No, Carmelo does because he's got a player option and it's worth $28 million. But he's not coming he's off the not- bench. But he's not leaving $28 million on the deck because he's not getting a quarter of that on the market. Uh, Durant's got a player option. I'm sure he'll opt out and they'll redo it again. Mm-hmm. Golden State. LeBron, he'll opt out. Uh, he'll probably go somewhere else. Paul George. Probably going to go to the Lakers. I suppose. Uh, Chris Paul, he's a free agent. You know, probably come back with Houston. Do you buy this Kawhi uh, Leonard, LeBron, James talk to the Clippers? Okay. Uh, Cousins, Cousins is a free agent. You know, where does he want to go? Is he is he the third piece to a team? Is he is he a guy that you know? We'll see. Um, really, I mean, you got uh, DeAndre Jordan. So he uh, he's got a player option. So I mean, you got you got a couple of guys up there, LeBron and Durant. So you got the two best players uh, around. Other than that, you know, you got a few gentlemen, but. Uh, yeah, um, let's 
the NHL playoffs going on. Second round, uh, Nashville and Winnipeg series tied uh, 1-1 there as of the recording of this podcast. Game 3 is going on right now between Vegas and the Sharks. The Sharks, after getting pummeled and embarrassed 7-0 in Game 1, won Game 2 in double overtime. That was a very entertaining game. It was Vegas's first loss of the year, so I'm curious to see how they rebound from that. This series, to me, is a toss-up. I would still favor the uh, the Golden Knights to take down the Sharks, but certainly... You know, both teams are capable of winning the series. Of course, the Sharks took down the Ducks in; uh, they swept them in the first round. And then in the East, you got the Bruins and the Lightning. That's a good matchup featuring two of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference. And then, uh, of course, Light uh, Capitals and Penguins. So I'm sure the Capitals are going to find a way to blow this series. But uh, I don't know if you were watching Game Three at all, Crins. Uh, uh, did the Penguins get hosed by the officials, by the refs in that game? So let me let's set the scene the whole, here. The whole puck, does the whole puck have to go past the whole line? Whole puck has to go past the line. Okay. Uh, let's. It's very close. Yep. I, I'm fine that they said no because I don't think you can tell for sure. I mean, 95% of the puck is past the line. It's that other 5%. Is it or isn't it? It's very close. I don't think you can tell either way. Sydney, just to set the scene here, it's 3-1 Washington. Sydney Crosby wraps around the net. It looks like he kind of loses it, or he, maybe it was a perfect pass to Patrick Hornquist for the uh, Penguins. He pushes it in. It, it's right by, it's like Braden Holtby, tremendous effort to get that, that left pad there. Uh, to, to try and block that puck from going past and into the net. And it looks like on the side angle, there is a there's a little shot that you could see that looks like the puck is crossed entirely. There is like some little ice shavings that you can see between the puck and the red line. But I guess per the NHL rules that they have to have a clear overhead view of the puck over the red line. That's what uh, Jamie Hirsch had tweeted out. Uh, she's with the NHL Network. She used to, um, of course, do uh, pre-game, post-game stuff on Fox Sports North here with the Wild. But she says that the, the, she tweeted out that the puck has got to be completely over that red line with the overview angle, and it was not. So did the Penguins get hosed? Yeah, probably a little bit. But, I mean, if that's the rule, then you can't tell. It's so close, and it was ruled no goal on the ice. I think if it was ruled a goal, you wouldn't have been able to overturn it. But because it was ruled no goal on the ice, it's impossible to overturn it and give it a goal. You know what I mean? So I think the officials overall made the right decision. It's not like it would have tied the game for the Penguins. Certainly would have swung momentum. But, um, yeah, they lose. The series tied 1-1. You still won game one in Washington. And um, I I do expect this series to go seven games. Uh, Washington probably losing in game seven. But uh, this, this, this is a great series. The, Easily the best of the four uh, that we have remaining. Probably followed by Jets and uh, Predators. I don't like the Jets because I like Nashville. Yep. Uh, but game two is very entertaining. Lots of scoring, double yep. overtime. Uh, so I, I like uh, I like the West more than the East. Um, like Tampa, Boston, I don't care. Uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, maybe I'll care later on. Uh, Vegas, like Vegas. Yep. And we'll have Nashville. So it's all about Vegas and Nashville. Let's get that in the next round. That'd be very, very nice. Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Let's go from the ice to the diamond here. And uh, the Twins suck. They're, they don't think there's any way around it. You lose two or three at home to the Reds. Uh, the Reds are terrible. That's not good. So uh, Twins not doing very good. But the big news is that uh, that Seager from the Dodgers, Tommy John surgery, and he's done for the year. Uh, Corey Seager, the, the shortstop, he was tremendous last year. Uh, no, not or was it last year or two years ago? Was he the rookie last year? Am I? Th- oh, it was Bellinger. I Bellinger, mean, thank. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I knew it, it didn't sound right. I mean, Cody Bellinger, of course, doing awesome, but Corey Seager was very good as well. So this is a significant loss for the Dodgers. Dodgers are, are they're they're in a bit of trouble here. Yes, they are. Um, just uh, Turner, Dustin Turner third baseman he should be back here in a couple of weeks so that should add something uh, to the lineup so that'll that'll help um players that were producing last year are just not producing like they did mm-hmm. the year before um and i don't think the dodgers make the playoffs i think arizona wins that division mm-hmm. despite losing in the playoffs last year to the dodgers arizona kind of owned them last year and uh, they're owning them again. They play a uh, series here now. And I think, uh, you know, Arizona's going to win that series. So Dodgers are Dodgers are in a bit of a mess here. They're uh, a serious deal. Uh, let's give you your weekly plug-in for the Phillies and the Braves. They had a series over the weekend. Yeah, I know. I know you love both teams here. The Mets are kind of falling back here. Look at look at the, the well, 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 yeah. Look at the top three here. It's Mets, Braves, Phillies. Washington is five and a half games back. They're thirteen and sixteen. The Miami Marlins have have some fight in them. They're ten and eighteen, so that's good to see. Uh, but uh, your Braves and Phillies certainly doing the work. There's a guy that plays for one of those two teams. He leads the league in runs. He leads the league in hits, home runs, doubles, total bases, extra base hits. Um, for the Braves? Uh, his, his name, he's a second baseman, he's a rookie, he's a short little shit, his name is Ozzy Alves. He leads uh, runs, hits, doubles, home runs, whatever the hell you want to say. He leads the National League in all of these things. He got off to a slow start the first week ever since then. He's been hitting the hell out of the ball. And that, Ozzie that's, Alves. The, that's the Braves guy, right? Yes, he has nine home runs. Ozzy Alves. Very, uh, very significant player. They got uh, the, the prospect they called up a few days ago, uh, Ronald Okuna Jr. Mm-hmm. So he's supposed to be the next big star. He's like 19, 20 years old. Uh, yeah, Braves, Braves uh, appear to be great. Phillies appear to be great. Uh, greatness all around, these two teams. Anything else baseball-related that we need to get into here? The the Orioles stink, so when's that Manny Machado? I told you that was one of the storylines I was looking at this season. When does that? Uh, w- when does the trade talk really start heating up with him? Uh, do, can the Twins turn this uh, off, awful start around? They're 1-9 in their last 10, just awful. Uh, as mentioned, losing 2-3 to the Reds, terrible. Uh can they turn it around? What else uh, caught your attention from this last week? Yeah, Twins, it's bad. It's sad and bad. Yankees are on a huge win streak. 
Yeah, the Yankees are rolling. Uh, our Astros beat them, so we're going to hell. Yankees. Uh, Astros pitching is uh, all types of ridiculous. They're the best pitching staff by a large margin. Uh, I think the playoffs are kind of set, though, in the American League. They're 20, 30 games in. Boston, New York. Mm-hmm. Cleveland's winning that division. Astros are winning the West, and then you got your wild card. Uh, Seattle's have been a good surprise. The Angels are in the mix. And you got Toronto in the mix. So I think one of those three teams will be your second wild card. So the Twins have to compete with those guys. So that is unfortunate. Um, they do have a chance because they can, you know, feast on the worst, you know, teams in the Central, yeah. the White yeah. Sox, the Royals, and the Tigers. But that actually means they have to beat these teams. If you can't even beat the Reds, that doesn't necessarily bode well for the rest of the season. Detroit is 11 and 16, which is better than I thought, even though 11 and 16 is bad. Is that Ron Gardenhire, manager of the year uh, discussion? Can I start that uh, train? You want to. You go right ahead. I'll be the only one. I'll be the the engineer and the conductor. There you go. Uh, I mean, everything's bad with the Twins. Kyle Gibson throws the game of his life against the Yankees the other day. Uh, Rodney gives it up in the ninth. I want the Fernando Fernando Rodney era to be done. I'm fine if they got rid of him. He's 41 years old. Uh, yeah, it seems like if the Twins starters do well, the bullpen blows it. The bullpen's been awful. Uh, it seems like if the starters go are fine, or if the starters are terrible, the bullpen comes in and shuts them down so they can't get any cons- uh, consistency in the same night. Buxton's hurt because he's always goddamn hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no two to the hamstring. He's out a couple games. So injuries are piling up. Logan Morrison sucks. Uh, he's getting better. So it's a struggle. Lance Lynn can't throw goddamn strikes. It's uh, Brios has had a couple of bad starts. Uh, Phil Hughes is pitching. Phil Hughes sucks. They moved into the bullpen. <laughs> There's been so many goddamn pitching moves the last week. They bring up a guy for a day up and down, up and down, up and down. They all suck. Still uses to the bullpen. He should probably consider quitting uh, playing baseball professionally because he's that bad. When does the savior Irvin Santana come back? Hopefully by the middle of May. He's, he's throwing now. Hopefully by the middle of May, we can get Irv back in the mix. There's a there's a prospect coming up of some significance on Wednesday to face the face the Blue Jays instead of Hughes. His name is Fernando Romero. So he has somebody to, uh, to keep track of, see how he does, Fernando Romero. And there's another prospect, Steven Gonsalves, a lefty, doesn't throw very hard, but he's good. Uh, he's up in AAA now, so he should be up sometime uh, this year, sooner rather than later. Later, So a couple of, uh, it's been a while since the Twins have had some pitching prospects up. Brios, that was still two, three seasons ago now. It's been a while since so they've had some legitimate pitchers come up, and and they've got one Wednesday, and they got another guy sometime this year. So twins suck, but they've got guys coming. So hope springs eternal. Now that spring is actually here. And uh, yes. anything else before we say so long? It was eighty six degrees today, stack and eighty six. And just to think, two weeks ago you had a blizzard. We did. Or is it three weeks ago? Two or three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, and uh, what? Yeah, the month of April, last day of April, it was 86. 
and we also had uh, 16 inches of snow in a blizzard. Happened in the same month. It's crazy. Oh, we should celebrate. Mike Dom is back at SDSU. Woohoo! Summit League week. Summit League Tournament, uh, Summit League Champions, your South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Let's get that 12 seed and actually knock down a 5 this year. Probably not great for him that he didn't get invited to Combine. That sucks for him. I gotta think he's uh, gonna get an invite though as a senior, right? Is it just so. the under? Is it just the underclassmen? The, the amount of underclassmen that? Uh... I don't know what it's looking like. Uh, tennis is no longer a thing in SDSU, so that's uh, that's done. Yep. So uh, they did raise like one point one million dollars the other night for scholarships, so they got that. But you know, it sucks for the tennis folks. But I mean, they're not bringing in any money, so may as well cut it. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a bummer all the way around. But like you said, I mean, it's you know, it's kind of the world we live in in terms of college athletics. So, and uh, Jason Witten apparently what four million four million dollars four four and a half to be the Monday Night Football booth guys. Uh, like he, yeah, uh, apparently he's supposed to be good. So I thought we'll see if he's good if he chooses to do this. Well, like ESPN's been cutting hundreds of jobs the last couple of years, and come on. I mean, we can do better than this. You don't need to pay John Gruden the $8 million he was making or whatever. You don't need to pay uh, the little Mike all his millions. You don't need to pay uh, Stephen A. Smith his millions. You don't need to pay Jason Wynn $4 million. That is literally, what is that? That's literally $20 million for four guys. Mm-hmm. If you get rid of all those guys... I mean, you could have say literally hundreds and hundreds of, if not a thousand jobs for four million dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, poor, poor money management. I think. I hope Kurt Warner gets in the booth too, because I think he would be very good as well. And he's he's yeah, he's been in the booth for a couple games. He's good. So hundreds of jobs could be saved. I think by uh, not paying four athletes million. Because what what is he? Even if he's, I mean, Romo is great. I'm not paying him $4 million. No. No. I, I mean, this is not their jobs. There's, there's, I mean, this is not a job that is worth $4 million. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, there we go. But also, North and South Korea uh, did some good stuff last week. So yeah, the, we'll the world re- Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Well, well hopefully. Ho- hopefully that means a sign of good things to come. But anyway... All right, uh, we will talk plenty more uh, playoff basketball, hockey, and uh, more baseball talk next week, and plus whatever else happens, right? Things will happen, yes. Absolutely. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right, I'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining us, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate the time and perspective, as always. Good stuff there. Uh, we do have a, a pretty good podcast here for you. More draft talk with Jeff Lloyd, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. We'll probably spend a... a fairly significant amount of time talking about the Browns, but also other uh, thoughts, winners, losers from the draft. Maybe get Marcus Traxler on to talk NHL playoffs as well. If not, we'll for sure get him next week in here. But uh, good stuff. You can always find this podcast. Hopefully you listened to last week's mock draft, even though it didn't go good. Uh, still fun to do. Uh, always can find us on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block Podcast. Also follow me on Twitter at NDStackin. Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Have a link posted for this podcast always middle later part of the week but coming up next here should have jeff lloyd second from locked on browns podcast recap the draft more 
other thoughts too, and then we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. And continuing here, Sports Block Podcast, please be joined by my good friend Marcus Traxler here to talk some Stanley Cup playoff hockey. It's always great to talk hockey with you, Marcus. How have you been? I'm good. Good, good. Uh, you know, the, these playoffs, tell you what, they, they are very fascinating to me. The The second round of, uh, the second round series that we've gotten have been very good so far, wouldn't you say? I would agree. I mean, I think that these are, you know, as far as like the teams that are left, uh, to have these eight teams and, and for the most part, four really good series, uh, is, is pretty great. Um, I think, you know, there's certainly, uh, maybe a couple duds that we could get in the, uh, the Stanley Cup final, but at this stage, uh, we've got good teams, uh, still playing. I think everybody that's here is, has kind of showed they, they belong. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start in the West. We'll, we'll work our way west to east this time. Uh, Sharks and and Knights, uh, Golden Knights, as of the recording of this podcast, it's a two to one in favor of the Golden Knights. Uh, they lost their first game, and I thought were a little resilient to coming back and beating the Sharks in Game Three. Uh, double overtime winner in Game Two for the Sharks. Overtime win in Game Three for the Golden Knights. Uh, this series shaping out just about how you thought it would so far. Yeah, it's really it's really been a close series uh, in that light. But you look at, uh, I mean, Vegas had a, a goal that they uh, could have had stand in game two. They could be up three nothing. Yep. So uh, they are they are playing really well. And I think at this stage, it's hard to count them out. Obviously, game four happening uh, after we tape this, but that's going to be the pivotal game in the series, I think. Uh, and maybe in some ways that will only just determine how how long the series goes. I think the way the Knights are playing right now, matter of the if it's in you know, five, six, or seven. Did you see that save that Mark Andre Fleury made in Game Three? Oh yeah, incredible save yep. uh, to to sort of uh, find a way to get uh, back across the crease and, and make the big play. So that uh, that was incredible. We've seen some great saves uh, so far in these playoffs, and yep. Yep. Um, we've been uh, we've been spoiled uh, by the guys in that as well. Yes, and I. I... You know, thinking back to the expansion draft last year, and you know Mark Andre Fleury being that number one pick, he has been everything Vegas could ask for and more. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think you know he wasn't their number one pick. I don't believe, but oh, was um, it? oh, maybe know, not. You're talking about Fleury, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I, I I can't remember if he was the number one. I mean, but obviously they had right sort of there. a chance to they had a chance to take. Uh, a, goal, a goalie from pretty much any organization uh, in hockey, and they chose Flory. Obviously, probably the best one, the most veteran, uh, you know, goalie that was out there, and he's played extremely well. And I think when you compare his play, I and mean, it's not fair, but they've been compared their entire career. Compare his play to Matt Murray in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, Flory's been ex- extremely. Uh, he's been much better yep. than, than Murray has been, and that's obviously always kind of been the uh, the comparison that has to be made. For all those people as well, so uh, in Pittsburgh, so uh, you know, Flurry, if he's playing like that, they're they've got a great chance to, to make the, uh, the Cup final. Winner of that series will take on the winner of the Jets and the Predators, and I got to tell you, I mean, the the Jets have played so well in the series, and being down three nothing in Game Three on home ice, you thought, okay, maybe they just don't have it. You know, Nashville's going to kind of regain control. And then I don't know if Nashville just forgot to come out for the second period or or what. Pekka Rene just got. You know, beat like a rented mule, and I mean the 
the Jets came back. They scored four goals in the second period. Dustin Bufflin had, I believe, a couple. Uh, I mean, it was just incredible to see them, uh, no pun intended, but turn on the Jets there in the second period, and and the Predators just couldn't stop them. I mean, the Jets have, I think, thoroughly outplayed Nashville. for, Or, not thoroughly, because they had some great goaltending there from uh, Hellebuck in Game 1 after getting outshot. But they've played better, I would say, in the majority of this series thus far. Hence, they're up 2-1. to one. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I feel like... Um, I felt like, in a big way, you know, Winnipeg was lucky to win Game 1. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the way the shot disparity played out, obviously, that was on the road. Um, you know, just the up and down nature of this, the way this series has unfolded to me benefits Winnipeg. I mean, they're just, uh, such an athletic team, so fast, big and strong. Um, I've really been impressed with, um, you know, obviously Shifley's probably been the best player for Winnipeg so far, but yep. Dustin Bufflin for being a monster of a man has been right up there as well. And he had two goals in game three. Um, this has been a thoroughly entertaining series. You know, game three, um, I mean, the whole series, I, it, to me, it doesn't even matter what happens in the rest of the series. It must go like a game seven, uh, turned on that, on that play. I mean, if, if yep. Winnipeg goes on and wins the series, it all turned in that second period, uh, where they scored basically three goals in three minutes. And, you know, you watch that game, that first goal was coming, uh, to make it 3-1. And then yep. it, it was almost like you said, like that, that Nashville sort of backed off the pedal and, Winnipeg just flew by him and just tied the, tied the game and uh, you know really I I felt like outplayed him after that so it was just a uh, you know you're seeing Winnipeg you know the big knock on them going into that series with the Wild was that you know oh they've never been in the playoffs or the guys that they do have never won a game have a lot of experience right have never won a game as the Jets and the, you can't even use that as an excuse they look I mean they look terrific yes they do and I. You know, like you said, the floodgates kind of opened up there in the second period. I'm wondering, you know, given how Pecorini, like, like last year when they were in the, the Stanley Cup final against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's been a house of horrors for Pecorini. Uh, I don't think he's won there. I don't know if he won there this year when Nashville uh, went up to Pittsburgh. But you look at how he's played this postseason, and it's not nearly as good as, it, as he did last year. Do you think, you know, that the way that Game 3 happened especially in that second period when he gave up the four goals that almost like Nashville it it kind of feels to me like the series is almost over with the way the Jets have played I really need to see how Pekka Rene and the Predators respond in game four Uh, because I I think if you know the Jets go up three to one I don't see Nashville being able to rattle off three wins in a row not uh not against this team I would agree with you I think this is Winnipeg's uh series to to win the way they're going and uh, I just think I, I honestly think Rene last year was more of the anomaly yep. uh, than than this year you know to be honest I just think um, I, I think kind of his whole career leading up to that you've seen you know sort of these flaws in his game and then he just played amazing last season and now we're sort of back to seeing some of those flaws again and I think this is who he is I, I really don't think uh, what we saw last year was necessarily genuine. I mean, I mean, it was genuine, but it wasn't the uh, the real the real deal in, in in how he can play or how he typically plays. Going to the East now, Boston and Tampa Bay series tied one one. Game three is going on right now as we record this here. Uh, I mean, for Boston to get a split, I, I, I just I just want to say, are you watching this game? I don't care that we're 
we're taping this right now. Are you watching this? I I am not. I'm I'm down in the basement right now in in the studio. Okay. Let's say uh, so. I yeah. I have not, but I will be watching it here as soon as we're done. Okay, so David Backus just boarded Dan Girardi from behind, and then there's a you know big fight here. So Backus uh, basically gets run game misconduct. Yep. And uh, my question is, when did David Backus become this big jackass? I mean, he's done this a lot in these playoffs, and he's done it before. I mean, I I don't obviously the he went to Mankato. That was the connection uh, for sort of how I started watching him. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him being I don't remember him being this big asshole, and, they, and I don't know where that necessarily coming from, but it's it's really jarring in these playoffs when you watch the Bruins where like he's always in the middle of uh, you know this and maybe that's just the way the Bruins play because Marchand had the weird licking thing going on in these playoffs. Yes. So I don't know what the hell's going on with the Bruins, but Bacchus I, I just don't get it. Well they're they're a they're a whole cast of characters. I mean you have you know the big uh, the big guy in there is Dano Chara. I mean, he he towers yeah. over just about everyone. So this uh, this Bruins team is a whole uh, cast of characters. I, I really like this series. I think both. I mean, both teams are so evenly matched here. I, I think Tampa Bay's got a little more depth. I do like Boston though going forward because I think they do have a lot of good youth. Um, and so I I think for Tampa Bay they are favored to win the series. They should win this series. But uh, Boston is definitely that team that you can see that is rapidly rising and ascending. It's going to be a power in the East for years to come. Well, the, the guys that Boston have are, are you know, really impressive. Yep. Uh, you look at uh, Marchand and Pasternak and... Uh, Donato. And, and Donato is young. I mean, he's only, you know, 19, 20 years old, whatever he is. Uh, and Bergeron. That, those three guys are the guys I'm thinking of. That line is incredible. I mean, that's probably... Uh, I heard somebody describe it as probably the best line uh, left in the playoffs right now, and there. And so, if you've got that, um, that's kind of one of those things where, um, where you know, that's tough to beat. And uh, you know, I love, I love the Lightning, but um, they're an interesting, interesting situation to watch here. And this is, you know, it's one-one right now. Uh, Tampa is leading this game as we speak, but uh, this series could could go either way. This feels like the one that right now, to be honest feels like the one most likely to go to seven. I would agree with you on that. Um, yeah, that is, I mean, it, it yeah, certainly... Just as a, just, just as a way uh, of summing up how this, this game has gone tonight, 34 penalty minutes combined so far, and we're not even uh, through the second their second period. So that, that, I almost call it the second quarter. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, you know, the Lightning, that uh, you could consider them New York Rangers South with how many guys, that former Rangers that they have on their team, but... Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, if... if if David Backus was going to run uh, Girardi because he doesn't think that he should be playing, I would agree with that because I think yeah. Girardi is old and shitty, but uh, that's okay. So, um, yeah, it is, you know, with the connections Tampa has, it is, uh, they should basically be uh, the Rangers satellite team. I think the series that most people are focused on, uh, even you know the non-hockey fans or non-avid hockey fans, has got to be Pittsburgh and Washington again. They meet in the second round of the playoffs, what seems like every year since this divisional format has gone on. And this, to me, I, I, I shouldn't buy into this Washington Capitals team. They have a 2-1 series lead. But, but something just feels different, and I don't know... If I'm just, you know, being a prisoner of the moment with how they played, it was a great comeback win there in in Game Three. Alex Ovechkin's goal, batting it out of midair off the post. I mean, it's just just phenomenal stuff. But they just they seem different, 
at least through, you know, to, to be able to respond after that game one loss and then go into Pittsburgh and regain home ice advantage back, it just, it feels different, but the proof is going to be in the pudding. They have got to be able to win this series, and I think there's still, and there rightfully should be, a lot of skepticism that they can do it. I would agree. I, I think um, the fact that they got a, a big win in Game 3 in Pittsburgh was helpful. Yep. Um, Ovechkin, uh, just sort of a classic goal, classic uh, Sidney Crosby goal, to be honest. Right. Crosby does that all the time, batting it out of, out of the air. And I think when it got late in that game and it's and it's still tied uh, 3-3, everybody's like, yep, this is going to overtime, and that's not a good good uh, part of the game for the Capitals. But the way they've responded since uh, going that in that 2-0 hole, in the first round against Columbus has been uh, really impressive. And Ovechkin's played great. You know, there's still, to me, there's still kind of, it's interesting that they've sort of cobbled the goaltending together. And, you know, they've, they've had uh, Holtby, you know, in that, but Grubauer uh, has played extensively as well. So it's just, if they can find the right combination there, I think they'll be okay. But um, it's incredible. You've got, on the other side of the ice, I mean, Jake Genville has been incredible in these playoffs. Yes. And he's already got... 17 points, uh, and that's that's pretty impressive. So, uh, considering he's you know he's what 21, 22. I mean, yeah. that's just uh, that's that's incredible. It seems like Alex Ovechkin is he's fine tuned his game. It, it seems like he's just changed the way he's playing in this postseason more than in other postseasons. And like for example, in that last uh, last game when he got that goal off the crossbar, normally he would use his speed and just probably like skate past the net. But he was able to control himself enough, bat it out of midair. As you said, it was Sidney Crosby-esque. I think he's changed it a little bit. He's tweaked it. It's not incredibly noticeable, but it's noticeable enough. I mean, I... I picked the Washington Capitals to make the Stanley Cup final. I said I'm going down, the, you know, going to the well one more time. I don't know if they could do it, but I feel a lot better with what I've seen from them so far in this series against Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh, as good as they are, you know, with Crosby and Malkin and you know, um, oh boy, Phil Kessel and yeah. and Jake Gensel, I feel like this is. They're just they feel different this year than they did last year with the cup and even the year before. They seem like they they're more vulnerable. And I, I don't know why. I don't I don't know why I get that sense, but I feel maybe it's the confidence that I have in Washington, which is high for some odd reason. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just from a depth standpoint, I, I don't think it's necessarily where it was a year ago and at the same time, um they've played a lot of hockey. Uh, in yep. the last few years, I always kind of come back to that, um, and they made me feeling that a little bit more than than they'd like to be. So, um, to me, it's all kind of aligning for Washington. That's never really been a great sign for them, but I'm rooting for them uh, wholeheartedly for sure in these in these playoffs. And um, unfortunately, it's probably going to set up a heartbreak in the next round. Yep. They can somehow get past Pittsburgh. That seems about about right, but um, I'll be rooting for them for sure. Finally, I think we've mourned the loss of the wild season, uh, losing in five games. I, I should before we before we get off the the yeah. Capitals thing. Uh, they had the new Saint Tom Wilson suspended for three games. He had that you know huge yep. in, in game three, and so if he's going to come back at all in this series. Game seven. What was your opinion of, of that play? Well, I mean, it, it did result in the the Penguins player. Uh, the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the hyphenated broken name. Jaw. Yep. Yeah, broken uh, jaw. Broken jaw. They didn't call it a penalty on the ice. I, 
to me, it seemed like he was more leaning with the shoulder. Obviously, like the heads up, so you know the he the Penguin player can see can see Wilson coming there. Um, he has. He, he, there was a questionable call. It was it game one or game two? A questionable hit yeah. there. Uh, it looked like he and Ovechkin was were sandwiching in. I I mean, you didn't you didn't suspend him for that. You didn't call a penalty here. I think three games is way too much. But we know this is the type of play that. I mean, he's gotten suspended for before. I mean, this is what Washington kind of expects. I would expect him to appeal this, and I think it would get dropped down to two games max. I just don't see how you can give three games if you haven't, if you didn't suspend him the first time and you didn't uh, call a penalty there in game three. I don't know how you can suspend him three games, but I think, I think yes, it it is suspense uh, suspension worthy. But then again, it. It does look like he's leaning more with the shoulder, but I think it's more the, like he's leaping into him, and that's what uh, drew the contact more than anything. I really didn't have a problem. You know, I, I honestly thought, you know, the hit kind of was what it was. I, I think, um, you, you know, it wasn't it wasn't what we would, you know, define, I think, as, uh, you know, the most malicious hit you could think of. But at the same time, um, you know, Wilson got away with, has gotten away with a couple hits probably that have mm-hmm. been on the borderline. So you lose the benefit of it out there. Uh, the guy you hit gets a concussion. He breaks his jaw. He's done for the playoffs. They're going to take that into account. And the fact that, frankly, this was probably a missed call yep. on the ice uh, as far as you're not getting a, a minor or something. Um, you, I, To me, those things add up. And uh, this is a, a player that has played right on the edge of legality, and I'm not surprised that this happens. I would, I would say, yeah, if the appeal can, can come through, this may come down one game, but I think uh, a multiple-game suspension is warranted. I'm trying to think back in, in the Jets-Wild series. Who was the the guy that um, that hit Eric Stahl in the back of the head uh, on the power play there in Game 4? Um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name. The, I'm thinking of the, uh, the defenseman. Yeah, yep. And I will uh, look real yeah. fast. I, I I can't remember what his name is, but I thought that was you know su- like that was multiple game suspension worthy. That's like at minimum two. If you want to go three, that's fine because that's right to the head. Like there, there's right. no excuse for that, and he got a game. I don't get that. I don't get how the NHL doles out their punishment. It seems like they just it's kind of willy nilly in a case by case basis, kind of like how the NFL does you know some of their suspensions yeah. and stuff too. But uh, to me, I think you, you, you. I know you got to take circumstances and previous past, like the past and history, into account, and whether or not that you know the guy's been a borderline dirty player or not. But to me, I would say that that was more suspension worthy than this, or at least it, it on equal level, on an equal playing I, field. I would agree with uh, agree with you there. I think we would we would come away. If it was Josh Morrissey, by the way. That Josh Morrissey. Yep. Um, I think we would come away from that saying, yes, they should at least be equitable or for sure in the light of this, there should have been more of a suspension on Morrissey. Um, they certainly take into account the repeat offender aspect. And, uh, I just think, you know, you have to, you have to think about whether or not this is malicious or whether or not the player had some time to think about what he was doing. And in the case of Morrissey, I mean, they're both standing there battling. In the middle of the ice, he just kind of turns and checks him uh, in the neck. So I, I mean, I would agree with you. I don't, I don't see. Um, I just, I have a problem with it. Yeah. 
Speaking of the Wild, I think we we've we're past the mourning period of the you know they're losing in five games to the Jets, a, a series that they got thoroughly dominated, thoroughly outplayed all the way around. It does result in GM Chuck Fletcher not getting his contract renewed or not getting an extension, anything like that. Uh, a, did you think that was the right move? And I have heard that uh, there is a someone within the Predators organization that is the favorite to land the job, which I think would be great considering how well the Predators have built their team and look at the success that they had their you know the Stanley Cup final run last year. Um, I think this would be a great addition if they can get that individual uh, from the Predators, but um, they got to change something. But this is not a this is not a need to rebuild. They have too many good players to say rebuild. They maybe have to gain a little more size, so you know a couple more players like Greenway. Um, but this is not a full out rebuild. But I think you could see just. The, how much, you know, how much faster, how much bigger the Jets were, and uh, just the Wild were slow, and I think that ultimately cost uh, Chuck Fletcher his job. Well, one thing I would say is that it's not going to be a rebuild, mostly because it can't be. I mean, with the contracts they have, the no trade clauses, yep. uh, they can't move Koivu, they can't move Preezy, they can't move Suter. It's kind of funny; they're almost in the exact same position they were in last year, um, and the series were almost the exact same, um, and. Chuck Fletcher came back with almost the exact same lineup. And so I think the fact that, you know, the playoffs unfolded almost the exact same. Granted, they had some, some bad injuries, but, um, that did not help Chuck Fletcher's case. I just, I think it was clear that, you know, the, uh, Craig Leopold wants a winner. And so this is kind of the situation they're in. And I, I don't blame him for getting rid of Fletcher. It's a tough position, um, because I think if the Wild, honestly, if, if they were in a position where, like, you know, we had, if if they didn't have the contract they had, they yep. may try to rebuild it here. But I just, I don't think they can. And so uh, that's that to me is kind of dictates where they're at. You also had the owner last week say, well, you know, we're not going to rebuild this. We have the pieces here. To me, that kind of hamstring is a new GM uh, in a lot of ways. So that's an interesting position that the GM is going to be some of the hires that he thinks can come in and make this work. So um, hopefully that's the case. Hopefully it's not, you know, somebody picks this up in the fall and and sees, yeah, we're not going anywhere. Um, and, and the fact they've made the playoffs six years in a row, obviously there's some, they can do it. But uh, the playoff success has not been there. And, and I'm uh, not... I think... Oh, go ahead. And then you mentioned, you know, Paul Fenton is the guy from Nashville. He seems like he's probably the favorite to get this job. It'd be nice if Winnipeg would win and, and Nashville would be done and he'd, he'd probably get to, to St. Paul and get to work. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's kind of where I stand on it. I, I think, you know, there are some pieces there, but they are in such a difficult position with the cap. They battled that all season long. Yep. And I don't know why they get out of it. They do need to draft. I mean, Fletcher gave up, in hindsight, way too many draft picks. And yep. that's ultimately what's come back and bit him a lot. Now, granted, They've made the playoffs, so the picks weren't going to be, the, you know, the top ten picks. But uh, they need those. They need to get some young blood into this program and guys that potentially could be uh, great players. Because when you look back on the drafts they've had, uh, they've missed some players or taking guys uh, that really, you know, later guys were better. And that's a tough. That's a tough way of looking at it now. And that's very. And that's very true. But they do have a lot of good guys. You know, in Iowa, you look at you know like the World Juniors and you know, how many. You know, 
guys on like the the gold in the gold medal game were from the wild. I think they had like three or four. You have the kid from Russia who I think is eventually going to be able to come over. Um, you're right. I mean, the, too many uh, draft pieces were traded away, and that's not good. So hope, and I do like Boudreaux, and I think he's I think he's the right guy for this for this team. I mean, he's he's had very he's had a lot of success in it. But I I think you're right. Craig Leopold just was too was tired of first round playoff exits. I think all Wild fans are for that matter. But I also think that the Wild were dealt a huge blow by losing Ryan Suter, and then you lose Parise. You know, in Game Three, and then they don't score the final two games of the series. I mean, I not that having Suter for the series would have changed. Like, you know, that if maybe they probably maybe they wouldn't have won the the series against the Jets, but they would have had a better shot if they had Suter in there. And if Parise was in, uh, you know, in the lineup for Games Four and Five, I think they would have won Game Four. Maybe not Game Five, but then you're you're still going back to the X for Game Six, and then anything can happen in a Game Seven. So I think the Wild were dealt some significant um, obstacles in this series, but you know maybe it's, maybe you know Fletcher and his style got a little stale, and now it's it's time for some new blood. Yeah, I would agree. I, you know, I think it's it's one of these situations where they've made the playoffs six straight years. That's great. That's what the fan base. Ultimately, that's what they want. You'd rather be in the playoffs than not be in it. But yep. at the same time, you got a fan base that's frustrated. You can't afford to really alienate them much else, and Leopold wants to win. So it's a very precarious situation. I think Boudreaux is a good coach, but he's going to be in a tough spot this year. I mean, if, yep. if things don't go well, he's going to be out. I just, I'm pretty confident of that. And so, uh, you know, you have to hope that, that things do go well or, um, that they at least threaten to make the playoffs. They have a slow start. I mean, coaches get fired all the time early yep. in the season, and it won't be this GM's guy necessarily. So that's a difficult position for Boudreaux to be in. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're sort of talking about you know the, the roster they have. You run down the list of guys who have now in the playoffs time and time again just not delivered. Looker, uh, Coyle, Writer, uh, Coyle, just go down the list. The same guys, Brodine, and... Uh, I don't know what you do with those guys. I mean, I honestly, I would maybe take half of them, you just pick half of them, and say, "Yep, we're going to find a spot for them to go." Because it's just um, you can't come back with the same cast. You know what you have. I, I understand Zucker was a thirty point or thirty goal scorer this last year, or almost that that good. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, but if you're not getting anything in the postseason, what exactly do you have? And this is not a one year thing, so. I think they're just they're in a tough spot, and obviously we'll know more once the new GM gets in here, and maybe he can set a tone. But uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason to watch. Change the playoff format too. Come on, NHL. Well, while we're at it, might as well. Yeah. Although we would not have these matchups we have, uh, I guess, without that. So the NHL is probably getting what they want right now. Yeah, but you could get a couple of you know dud conference finals. Like, no offense to Tampa, but if it's Tampa and you know. It, there, it's going to be fine on the East because you got Pittsburgh or Washington, so that's fine. But the West, yeah. you could look at Vegas and Winnipeg or San Jose, Winnipeg. No one's going to well, get from, excited yeah, about from, San Jose, I think Winnipeg. From a TV standpoint, yeah, they're in trouble almost in any any shape. But I think from a quality of hockey standpoint, uh, this should turn out pretty good. Absolutely, so. Marcus. I appreciate the time, my friend, and I know we'll be chatting again as the playoffs roll on. Thank you. Sounds good. Take care. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic.
kind enough to join us here. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. Great hockey talk there. Um, you heard it. Uh, I mean, wild in for an interesting off season. Uh, we are going to push Jeff Lloyd the second back to next week. Had some scheduling issues. He's a busy man. We always appreciate Jeff's time whenever he can make time for us to, to come on the on the podcast. So we're going to bump him to next week. Um, but uh, we'll definitely get his draft reaction there. Again, NFL draft in the books. NBA playoffs going on. Stanley Cup playoffs. NHL playoffs going on. Twin stink baseball rolls on. Uh, so great stuff. You can find this podcast available online. Just search Sports Block Podcast on iTunes. And then follow me on Twitter at NDStack and also Facebook Nathan Stack and have a link posted to the or link. Uh, we have a post with the link to the podcast each and every week that we do one. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, again, next week we'll get uh, Jeff Lloyd. The second on, well, uh, from Lockdown Browns podcast, definitely want to get his thoughts on the Browns. We'll talk to Travis probably, maybe Marcus as well. Otherwise, Marcus will rejoin us here in a couple weeks. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block podcast. Got a good one for you next week, hopefully, as we do every week. Thank you for listening, and uh, please tune in again next week here. Nathan Stacken saying thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, everyone.